Let's Get Two presents Go, Go Astros! Go, Go Astros! A focus on H-Town Hardball. Hi there, and welcome to the August 29th edition of Go Go Astros. I'm Andy Tomchesson. I'm getting a late season call up this morning to fill in as host. So while I'm making adjustments to the league, as it were, uh, we'll still have the same roster, so you don't have to worry about that. We're joined, <laughs> as always, by Jim Christopher of the Let's Get To family of shows that you can find on YouTube or wherever you get your podcasts, and Brian Arbor from the Orange Fire blog, uh, which you can find on Substack. Gentlemen, good morning. Morning. Um, Morning. I guess we should be playing a funeral dirge, right? Well, it's a rainy day in Houston, Jim. Um, <laughs> you can see behind me. And even though the Astros are in the midst of a four and two homestand, uh, two games left against the Arlington Rangers, why does this weather reflect my mood about the Astros? Um, or should it? No, I mean, look, uh, I was thinking about this driving in. I kind of figured like this was, I figured this would be our first topic today. Um, baseball is not football, but when we watch it, sometimes when we care about the individual result, we, we get caught up in it. I challenge if we had gone two and one against Minnesota and two and one against Baltimore, we'd feel a million times different about the homestand than, than the way it went out. Also, I think we'd feel better too, if they won the game, you know, six to four yesterday, rather than three to one after not having scored. Yeah, previous games, it was kind of more of the same from an offensive standpoint, and I think that colors the mood as well. Beyond uh, the gray skies behind Andy, <laughs> it's always a, a, I guess, a sad marker when you're watching a baseball game on a Sunday and they start talking about how many hits you've had over the last three days <laughs> not runs, not wins, <laughs> actual hits. <laughs> uh, which kind of begs the question, Brian, what's going on with the offense? I mean, there's sort of two answers here. One is, eh, sometimes you just have a bad couple of days. The broader answer, right, is that this is a team that has, if you look at these sort of underlying offensive numbers, they're a good, not great like last year, but they're a good offense, top third in Major League Baseball. And that's true for most of their numbers, except for run scored which you could argue is the only number that matters. And they're there right in the middle and they're in the mid pack and have been throughout the season. The good news for the season is that the pitching has gotten much better. The defense has remained top quality so they can win three run three to one games like they did yesterday. Uh, it's a little more taxing on the bullpen, but they have, you know, have been over the course of the season really up to the task, even without even having to go six innings yesterday without their best reliever. Uh, Jim, what's your take on the offense? I think it's weird because uh, it's kind of, if you go back to our first episode of the season or one of our first episodes, it's actually playing out much like we all predicted. We predicted this would be a pitching heavy team. I don't think, I think for me, and it's what it's been a, a whole season. I don't know that we've had a whole season where we've had the entire offense clicking at once, but we have had a, many games in the season where they're all in a slump at the same time. And I think that's just been this kind of weird deal. Um, you know, yesterday, I mean, yesterday being kind of like, I think yesterday being very uh, endemic of that or, or, or a great example of that, where we had a, did have a big hit from Tucker and we had those moments when the runs got scored. I think the other thing that's a big problem or the thing we're worried about is, 
you and I are in, in Brian, we are all old enough Astros fans to see good offenses, not do anything in the playoffs. And how many of us are worried of that being the same thing happening this year? You know, I think with the um, precipitous decline of Yuli Gurriel, which I don't know, you could have expected a drop off. I don't know that anybody was expecting yeah. all off as fast as far as he has uh, losing Michael Brantley um, the way we did for more than half the season, really. Um, it's kind of a miracle that our run differential is where it is, but I guess to Brian's point, that's more on the pitching than it is on our ability to score runs right now. Yeah. And the other thing too, is right. They have made some you know, adjustments to improve the hitting, but they are sort of on the back end. Um, you know, they've gotten, Christian Vasquez, who's a much better hitting backup catcher, but they're still using him as a backup catcher. He's playing more than Jason Castro or Corey Lee, but he's still not getting a majority of the starts at catcher, despite being obviously a superior offensive option to Martin Maldonado. Um, when Aledmus Diaz was healthy, Trey Mancini was playing close to, but not every day. He's moved into the everyday lineup since Aledmus Diaz went on the IL raising the question of who's going to play in the playoffs. And since they're playing Yuli Gurriel every day, I'm pretty sure we know how Dusty's voting on that when we get to October. Uh, you bring up the point of injuries, which is kind of one of the topics I wanted to cover. Um, in the past two weeks, Ryan Presley's gone on the DL, Edmus Diaz has gone on the, excuse me, the IL. Uh, Jordan Alvarez has missed time with a different hand um, and I'm wondering if he's going to have matching hand surgeries in the offseason to match his double knee surgery a couple seasons ago. Uh, Chaz McCormick has a dislocated pinky. Uh, you can't tell me Mauricio Dubon didn't dislocate his shoulder at some point and then pop it back in and go to play. Good for him. Jose Altuve has missed a start with shoulder soreness. Uh, and now yesterday, Justin Verlander turns up lame trying to walk off the field. Not a great feeling. Um Brian, if there's a good time to get injuries, is August that time? As long as they are a couple-week injuries, yes. All right, so um, every indication is Diaz will be back sometime in the middle of September. Um, Ryan Presley doesn't seem like a massively serious injury. And reading between the lines, early indications, I mean, so first of all, it's a cap on Justin Verlander, not anything in the arm or shoulder area, so... That's or a knee or an ankle. Or a knee or an ankle, right? It is a soft tissue and he'll get imaging and, you know, who knows what we'll learn about that, though my guess is not much. Um, man. So none of these seem crippling for, none of these seem damaging for October. Obviously the Brantley injury is the biggest one uh, when it comes to, when it comes to October. So We've talked about this as well throughout the year. Expect there to be IL stints. I'm not sure that if they were just one game up in the division that Ryan Presley would be on the IL right now, mm -hmm. but there's no reason to push it with him. I expect that Verlander will go on the IL tomorrow. Again, no reason to push it. He's also already gotten to his player option for next year, so he's probably not going to push it behind the scenes to say, hey, you got to, you know, you know, you owe me this for the contract here. Uh, he doesn't have to say that. His focus, Ryan Presley's focus, the front office focus, and Dusty Baker's focus can all be on October. But Jim, if, if that's true and Verlander goes on the DL, that means we get a lot more um, Garcia in the rotation. Is that a happy thing for you? Well, first of all, I'd like to challenge uh, 
Brian, I from what I read on the internet, uh, he actually blew an Achilles and his career is over. So I don't know, Brian. I don't, I don't know. I do not um, believe the rumor that his head was lopped off while his yeah. staff was hurt. I do not believe that internet rumor. I have seen it, though. Uh, I can't well, dismiss it. To be fair, he did go straight to the dugout. And we know anytime an Astros player goes straight to the dugout, the <laughs> things are happening. Right. As far as uh, Garcia goes, look, I, I used to think it, this is so weird because obviously he's been the worst starter by a lot, actually, um, at least by the eyeball. I know Brian will then throw numbers at me why his expected he should have been. I don't know. But um, no, the numbers say you're right, too, Jim. You're right. Okay. <laughs> yeah. He's not been good by a lot. Um, I would hope to see uh, that, that Javier gets to move back to the rotation. But. Yeah, well, he has not been good by a lot. Um, I also find it exhausting to watch to watch the windup that I used to think was cute. I guess that's the benefit of him letting him in so many runners on base as he's in the stretch more. Um, it'll just be more days where I just listen or I um, watch with the sound off, I guess. So uh, I think the other thing, too, is is everybody clamoring for Hunter Brown and he will come up like we've said on the show September 1st. I bet you he is on his way up here. And Jim, I'll just add to that here. Hunter Brown last night was scheduled to start, did not start in Sugarland, but came into the game not as a piggyback guy, but in the middle of an inning. Oh. It is an indication that you, you may need to do this on a mound not here in Sugarland, but nearby and possibly, possibly in October. Again, we have September to see, but I think that adds credence to the September 1 theory. I don't know. Whitley's been pitching well too. Andy, we might finally get it. You and I are going to die before his first start. We're just going to. I, I don't well, Of course, Whitley has. So therefore, you know, <laughs> I, Jim, you were the ideal person to uh, produce the ghost of Forrest Whitley. Yeah. Well, b- b- besides the fact that he sounds like some sort of antebellum um, novel hero, Forrest <laughs> Whitley is a mystery to all Astros fans because we literally have been hearing about him since it feels like 1998, which I don't <laughs> yeah. even think that's true. He was in high school in 1998, but um yeah, he evidently had um, a couple of good appearances back to back in Sugarland, and he didn't get hurt. The second part seems to be the bigger deal because he always can pull out a good performance. Uh, maybe two in a row is a good deal, but literally not getting hurt for two solid weeks. That's a giant step for Forrest Whitley and good things for the Astros, which uh, kind of brings me to one of the things I wanted to talk about today. And it may be a topic that we get into in the offseason more but I was thinking about the Astros window and I was thinking about it for a couple of reasons Um, one was the 2023 schedule was released uh, this past week and we're going to a balanced schedule and I don't know that it's a great thing for the Astros and here's why Um, the AL West is really really bad yeah and I don't see them getting much better anytime soon with the exception of the Mariners. I think the Mariners have taken a tax to be a good team. We can talk about the justification for the J-Rod contract that's being worked on right now. And if that's a good idea later on, but the Rangers have fired their front office again. They've put their entire baseball operations in the hands of Chris Young, who I think used to be a second baseman for them and just hung around the stadium long enough to get promoted. (laughs) I don't know what else he did. Um, Oakland's completely lost and very clearly gearing towards a move. And the Angels are now for sale. And who knows what that looks like if they even can hold on to uh, Shohei Otani uh, in a sale or if a new owner would want that asset or want to start fresh, because that is something that you see teams do. We saw it in Houston with the shedding of veterans. Um, 
So having said that, the Astros, where is our window? We've heard that it was going to close somewhere in 2015. Uh, Jim, I'll give you the first crack at this, but, um, you know, we got through 2017 winning. We were going to get to 2020 and have to reevaluate. Now we're to 2022. It still feels like it's open to me. Yeah, it's open to me. I, it feels open to me, too, for the reasons you said. I do think the other thing why the the, ba- the balance schedule does hurt the Astros is they did a really good job of beating their division, right? Like they – and that's, I think – so now it does change the metric on that. But, yeah, I think it's open for a lot of reasons, the reasons you just said. And I think, you know, we could argue that the Mariners signing J-Rod is actually going to be detrimental to their long-term ability to win um, because I'm afraid of those types of contracts. But also, too, it does seem like we went through this period where they were pulling diamonds in the rough that where people were over uh, overachieving, I guess. And now you look at the possibility that now that we're going to have a regular draft again and start being able to actually build up the farm system, I don't know why it's not open for at least another five years. Yeah, and thank you for drawing the dotted line. The The detriment to the Astros and the balance schedule is that we were playing these teams 17 to 19 times a year. <laughs> yeah. And now we're going to be playing them 12. So, or yeah. 13. So, uh, you but they'll have more sleep. That's the other, that's the there, other. there is that. Uh, Brian, wh- where are you on this? Yeah. Um, the Angels had developed three pretty promising rookies this year. The aforementioned Julio Rodriguez, uh, George Kirby in their starting pitching staff, and Matt Brash. That's their young core, and they may add to it with some of their pro- some of their prospects. So, yeah, I think there's a good chance they challenge the Astros next year or in the near future. On the other hand, would you rather have those guys, or would you rather have Jordan, Tucker, Jeremy Pena, Christian Javier, Framber Valdez, Jose Arquiti? None are probably at the star level of uh, Julio Rodriguez, but that's six pretty good young players who are all in some ways diamonds in the rough, right? They are not players who were top draft picks or sort of big sort of signings out there. So I don't know if the window's closing in the next couple of years. I will say the Mariners are a really good challenge, you know, are the first real challenger to the Astros uh, on a talent level since 2017. I would also say too, that we might even be looking at a situation like the Giants where they went on that run and one year they'd missed the playoffs. I don't even think, I don't even think like missing the playoffs for a year and this next run means the window's closed. I think, there could be a real need to rearm and reload. And I think, again, staying out of financial difficulty with big contracts will help them do that. Well, the Esters have lots of room uh, under the salary cap. I'm sorry, the collective bargaining agreement tax <laughs> threshold. I don't think you are. Sorry. Uh, <laughs> you know, and I think that one of the things that's going to have to drive the window is how we address left field and center field next year. Um, the offense, I don't think can continue at the level that it's at. Maybe I'm wrong and I'm a little bit down on the offense after basically being, you know, not quite no hit by the Orioles three games in a row, but it felt like pretty close to that. Um, Orioles are an up and coming team, certainly not the Orioles that we're used to seeing, but the Astros didn't play being reactionary. I fully admit that didn't play like I would have expected them to play against a potential, you know, playoff foe. Um, Having said all that, uh, anything else that you saw, Brian, in the schedule that you thought was interesting or new or different or something we should be aware of? I mean, they'll play a lot more. They'll play a National League team every – they'll play every National League team. Mm-hmm. And every team will play uh, 
you know, one series in, you know, one, ser uh, one year in Houston, like for instance, I particularly paid attention to the Mets. They'll play the Mets in Houston at Minute Maid Park next year. In the 2024, everyone come visit me up in New York. We'll go out to City Field, uh, watch the Astros at the Mets. So it's it's a bunch of sort of different series that are going to sound weird, uh, less weird to us as Astros as the team that move in the leagues. Um, and you'll see sort of more of that. So there's less of distinction between the leagues. There will always be a World Series. The World Series matchup will always, always happen during the season. Um, and so that, I think, to me, is the most sort of notable difference. It does lead me to the question is, is this going to end up with, if we look at the, if they stay in the current playoff system, it doesn't fit real well with three divisions. Are they going to end up in a two-division system? The Players Association actually proposed that, and that would make more sense fitting into the current both playoff system and, and balance schedule fits with more wild cards to be determined. Um. I actually talked about this in the opening of let's get to for tomorrow's episode. Everyone tune in. Um, there was a lot of panic. I think now we're a reactionary when Rob Manford releases anything, we automatically assume it's bad. I actually see a situation where um, they go to four divisions per league. I don't see us getting, I, so that's, that would be my big concern is if we don't have division races anymore um, or we have fewer, I don't see that being the case because I think, we have to acknowledge that baseball is longer than harder and there has to be a tangible uh, thing to achieve at the end of the season, as opposed to the NBA where everybody gets in. And, and um, so I, I actually am not too terribly worried about that. I actually proposed something pretty drastic for the tomorrow's episode, but I mean, other than that, I mean, I think it's kind of neat that we're going to get to see every team in the league. And again, going back to Brian's point, we are all National League guys at heart. You know, whatever we tell people at parties, it's what we are. And I'm looking forward to seeing the Cardinals and the Cubs and the and and all those guys as well. Well, and that's the um, Astros in 2023 will host the Colorado Rockies, the Padres, the Giants, the Reds, the Cubs, the Mets, the Phillies, and the Nationals, and go on the road to Arizona, Colorado. For some reason, we get to play them four times instead of three. Uh, the Dodgers uh, on the road in St. Louis. Pittsburgh, that incredible rivalry we had with Milwaukee, um, and Miami and Atlanta. Um, does, this, so, does this mean we're going to do an episode live from Bush Stadium? Well, I mean, they are the best fans in baseball, so it, we could only – and if you don't believe me, just ask Scott McIntyre. He will tell you. <laughs> hey, I actually would agree with him. I went to one game. It was amazing. But anyway, I, I, I digest. You should. It's healthy. <laughs> I'm also going to let the long and hard comment that you made just pass as a host. That is my right to do. Thank you. Um, so coming up, the Astros have a series of, it looks like 18 games against teams that have no hope of making the playoffs, not even next year, probably uh, starting with two with the Rangers. What do we look at as we turn the date to September? Uh, and we'll start with Jim. I want to, I think basically what Brian had kind of predicted would start to happen a couple of episodes ago. I think you'll start to see IL stints that don't necessarily need to be IL stints. I think you'll start to see the fact that they'll acknowledge the fact that, and I think you said it in a tweet last night, Brian, there's something like 13 games up on having a buy. Um, for as much as we're in a weird stretch, the Yankees aren't getting it. I mean, we had this weird stretch where we didn't play great and lost zero ground in any of the three races that matter. So I think you'll start to see 
more days off Astros Twitter will melt down. I think you're with September call-ups. I know we get to add what is it three spots, Andy, that we get to go up to two. So I think Hunter Brown and the position player will be coming up. And Yanir Diaz, I think, played a game in left field yesterday. So I don't know what that means, but um, I think you're going to see a much more conservative approach to the end of the season than we've seen in a lot of other years. And I think that's going to be, I think, just trying to make sure everybody's healthy so that way they don't have to spend the five days while the wild card is happening getting rest but they can do things to stay sharp and i think that's going to be the big the big challenge as we as we get talked over brian what about you yeah i mean i think it's you'll see one thing we may see is we may see the start in you know, so they have really gotten a lot of innings from their starters and they're more likely to push a starter out for a seventh inning than just about any other team in baseball and i think during the uh during the four six of the season, they had 20 more innings from their starting pitcher than any other. So that's over 27 games. So it's basically an inning more a game. So, hey, speaks to the quality of the starting uh, rotation that they're willing to push them out there. Also speaks to sort of their strategy. They may back off on some of that in large part because, hey, the real sort of thing you've got to worry about is October. And again, you want to focus on that. So, yeah, plenty of off days for people, uh, plenty of mixing and matching in the lineup. And again, Part of why I put out the tweet after every series about how big and how big a lead they have over the two races that matter and how many games are left in the season is it's nearly impossible for them to lose the division or the uh, or the uh, buy and they certainly can't lose it in one game with the 11 half lead game over the Mariners and the 13 and a half game lead over the Guardians. I would have a I'd like to pose a question to you, Andy. Um... I made the mistake. It's very similar to Jake Kaplan telling me to stay off Twitter. You often tell me not to listen to sports talk radio and the doom and gloom. If Verlander is out the, 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 the kind of prevailing knowledge is there's no way we win a world series. And I just, I mean, look, I love JV as much as the next guy, but of all the places to lose somebody, that's where, right? Yeah. If, as I recall, and it was a long time ago, almost 11 months, but we made a world series without Justin Verlander last year. <laughs> um, and we didn't have Lance McCullers and some still, still somehow made it to the world series. Now the world series is something a lot of us have blocked from our minds in 2021 uh, <laughs> yeah. for good reason. But uh, this is a team that as it's constructed right now and with the, with the position they've put themselves in, um, it would be hard for them not to make a deep playoff run. They're certainly going to be in a division series because that's where they're going to start off. It would surprise me if they don't make it to the ALCS. But by playoffs being a crapshoot, Verlander is not the difference in pushing that crapshoot one way or the other. Um, we have more starting pitching than just about anybody that we're going to face in the playoffs. And if that's Justin Verlander at the front end of it, fantastic, better for us. But if that's Javier, McCullers, uh, Framber Valdez, and Jose Arquiti, or Luis Garcia, or Hunter Brown, or whoever it might be, you don't even need five starters in the playoffs, but let's just say, you've still got a five-man rotation with a surplus. Um, so I, it's not a, if you were going to take an injury to one of your frontline guys that was season-ending, it would be Justin Verlander. Nobody wants that. That's not even happening. Um, I have a feeling that if he has a small tear in his calf, he will sit out for a couple of weeks and still pitch. 
Um, this is absolutely about it being August 29th or 28th yesterday and him going, well, I don't feel right. I'm not going to push it. And the Astros going, you're right. Go sit down. Matter of fact, <laughs> go lay down, leave the stadium. I don't even want <laughs> yeah. you answering questions at the end of this. Um, and, and, you know, the Astros fans are right to be uh, suspicious because the Astros do a really, really bad job at communicating not only injuries, period, but the level and seriousness of those injuries until it's kind of the too late proposition. We all knew Michael Brantley was out for the year well before not only did they announce it, they agreed to let him have surgery. Um, and that's, that's kind of on them. Um, I think that's all the things I had today, gentlemen. Anything else you want to bring up? Vengeance was a great movie. You should go see it. I mean, any movie that has Waterburger as a main character. <laughs> yeah. And I'm not joking. And you love the, you had to love all the fun poked at the university of Texas in that movie. I mean, I don't recall there being a lot of fun. I just, the, the whole, and I guess it's from the trailer part of it. Uh, but the, um, who's a fan of the university, of Texas? <laughs> the one Jewish guy standing up and who's a fan of Texas tech university. Everyone. I'd Sorry. like to know that college football for real starts this week, yet somehow LSU's opponent got to play last week. And I don't get why they don't ban that in the contracts they signed ahead of time, but that's probably for a different podcast. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, it's going to be a weird week for the Astros coming up. We've got three off days in the next 10. So there's going to be lots of uh, gnashing of teeth and wringing of hands if we don't win the games right before those off days. Uh, thank God we did yesterday because today will be kind of smooth. We'll see how it goes on Wednesday for Thursday's off day. Um, but uh, yeah, three, five game road trip starting tomorrow with the Rangers, three against the Angels. Uh, the explosion of David Hensley onto the scene. He had a hit. Congratulations. He is now one of the people who have had a hit in the major leagues. And he gets to keep the ball forever. They, they absolutely pulled it out of the game. It was fantastic. What a moment for him and his family. <laughs> All right. I think that does it for us today before I get any more trouble and lose this spot. I'm going to wish you a fond adieu. Uh, go Strohs. Uh, shameless plugs. we got Let's Get To This Week and the next episode of Yell Fight Suey, also hosted by Andy Tom Chesson. Go shows. Go Strohs. Go shows. <laughs> yeah, go shows. And go Strohs. Go Go Astros is a presentation from Twitchy Dolphin Media and part of the Let's Get To Baseball Network.